Okay. All right. Well, welcome uh, to the show, Inquisitive Analyst. My guest today is someone you may know from his YouTube channel, Black Metric, or perhaps from his popular BA Fringe YouTube series. He's a common fixture in the BA world, has a few books on business analysis, principal at principal consultant at Black Metric, highly enthusiastic about business analysis and of course systems thinking. He's spoken at many, many BA conferences and has been a president to IIBA UK chapter. Help me welcome to today's show, Adrian Reed. Welcome, Adrian. Thanks very much for having me, Marcus. I'm really excited to be here. Well, it's a pleasure. And I thought maybe you could talk to us today about a few items. So perhaps my first question to you today is, how did you get into business analysis and why did you choose yeah. the field? Yeah, great question, Marcus. And what I would love to say at this point is that I'd, I'd always wanted to be a BA and I'd planned it from like high school. And uh, But the reality is different in that I was working for an insurance company and I was essentially I was going to be an underwriter. That's what I thought I wanted to be. Uh, but I got involved in what at the time was called e-commerce. It, it's not what we would now consider e-commerce, but it was uh, insurance brokers would send uh, electronic messages via a system called EDI, electronic data interchange to uh, to insurance companies. And there were always problems on with the exchange of data. And so there were projects around getting other um, partners on board and, and, and so on. And, and, and before I knew what requirements were on business analysis was, I started writing requirements probably very badly because I was I didn't know what I was doing and, and then the organization had a restructure and there was this role business analyst and I was like oh wow uh, and I started to really look into it and I started to realize it's much wider than just requirements and you know and it involves the whole pre-project stuff uh, can it can equally involve the the benefits realization stuff and so I started to really um you know train up uh, I then left that organization, worked as a sort of lead BA elsewhere. And I, I really, the reason I, I really got into it when I found it was, I, I believed and continue to believe that it's one of those organizational roles where we can really make a difference to, you know, customers, to people who use the services we design to, uh, and to people that use the systems and processes. And, and I re really believe that sometimes just a few days upfront analysis can save hundreds of days, you know, hundreds of days downstream or in production. So, yeah, so I'd love to say it was a really, a really deliberate career choice, but it was half accident, half serendipity, I think. <laughs> that's, that's sometimes how how many of us do land into careers, you know, we become the accidental BA or the accidental pro project manager. And uh, that certainly was, was the case for myself too. Well, great. Um, so maybe you can, I know that you're a big fan of systems thinking. So can you, can you just sort of provide a brief overview of what systems thinking is all about? Yeah. So the first thing I'd say is systems thinking isn't just one thing, it's a whole broad set of different disciplines and it's got a really strong academic lineage. So one of the things I find really important when speaking to others about systems thinking is to ask the almost ask that the question you've just asked, what what you know what do you mean what do you mean by systems thinking? Because different people mean different things 
buy it. For me, uh, at, at, in my practice as a BA, it's about really thinking in systems. And I know that sounds like a, a bit of an abstract thing to say, but it, it's really odd because in organizations, when people use the word system, generally they mean IT. Uh, and actually, they don't really mean IT, they mean T. They're not even talking about the information, they're just talking about the technology, right? And so, but whereas if we, if you think about the word system more generally, you hear about the financial system, the healthcare system, the economic system. And so thinking in systems encourages us to take a step back, not to focus on individual components but to look at the broader situation of interest and the thing about a system in this sense is it's boundary like 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 its boundary is negotiable different people will think it, it, it starts and stops at different places because if you take something big like i don't know the healthcare system well you know it, we might not immediately think that taxi drivers are part of the healthcare system but if they're shuttling people to and from hospital, they might be a really integral part of actually the end-to-end -end provision of that service. So it, it, it encourages the um, understanding different perspectives from different stakeholders, understanding why they think you know, something exists, and also accepting the ambiguity that in complex situations, there's rarely one right answer. You know, I think I think one of the one of the big myths of change is that we can always seek consensus. I mean, it's great I, and, it, and it's a real achievement if we can. But like, you know, in any kind of transformational change, there are going to be some people who, who who are really better off and some people who it might not be good news for. Um, so actually, you know, there's, you know, one systems thinker who talks a lot about uh, uh, reaching an accommodation you know, a, a situation where at least everyone can live with it. So there's a strong link to sort of ethical, in my view, ethic, ethical communication with stakeholders. And, and whilst the, the examples I've given there are quite macro, they're quite big. It's about, you know, like the healthcare system. You could equally zoom in and say, well, okay, what's the, like the HR system in our organization? What's it for? Is it for, you know, um, uh, I don't know, is it for in, ensuring our, employees are happy and safe or is it for ensuring we comply with legislation and don't get sued or is it some balance between the two and it's really important because if we were doing say a project within that HR department like the way that you design the processes the way that you design the, the information systems beneath it are going to vary so it, it, it appreciates that everything is you know everything's connected and you can end up making a change here that makes things worse over there. And, and, and if we don't, um, you know, you can end up optimizing one part and actually making the whole thing worse because everything's sort of connected, often in ways that we don't, that, that it's difficult to predict in advance. So it's sort of, another way of looking at it is like stepping back. It's, it's, it bears a family resemblance to sort of holistic thinking and, um, you know, and as I say, it's really about sort of thinking in systems, thinking about those connectivities, the fact that different observers are going to have different perspectives and boundaries and, and those sorts of things. So, yeah, actually, I was going to ask you about that. It seems to me like it's looking at the big picture, that holistic overview 
of the entire organization. So different, different organizations, different systems, different problems to solve, trying to understand everything from within that system, the big picture within that, and then each system, if you like. Yeah, yeah. And, and the great thing I find about it, I mean, you're 100%. And, and the great thing I find about it, and the, one of the reasons it fits for me so well with business analysis is you can zoom up and down. And, you know, you, 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 you can have the, the idea of a, a subsystem within a system. Now, of course, you know, that's not really a physical thing. It's not a physical structural thing, but you can, you know, you can zoom in and start to look at the, the more, more granular but the, 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 the challenge is in most organizations I've ever worked for and with is that everything is done at such a granular level that it's really easy to lose, lose sight of that bigger picture. So, so that sort of systemic thinking encourages us to zoom out and say, OK, this might be a desirable change here for this bunch of people. But what does it mean for those bunch of people over there? And what could the knock on impact be? And also, what are the environmental pressures outside of our organizational boundary? Because, you know, you, you don't want to be the, I don't know, this is a bit of a cliche, but you don't want to be in sort of blockbuster video trying to make a better membership sign-up process when Netflix is, is just coming, you know, round, round the corner. So it's, it, it's involving the, the sort of, that sort of external awareness as well. Yeah, that's actually, I think, I think it's much needed. Which brings me to my next question on, so we have systems thinking, it's a good thing, we know it is. What are the advantages of having systems thinking in an organization? I think one of the things I've found is that almost without exception, almost without exception on almost every project I've worked on, there's complexity that people don't want to see and I think there's a very human natured thing to do which is to say oh gosh I'm in pain um, I need a solution and that becomes a very linear knee-jerk type response it's the kind of well oh well no one's using this CRM package well let's get another CRM package but then, the, like as BAs, right? Then the, you know the obvious question is, well, what on earth would make you think someone would use that new that new CRM package? But but actually zooming out to understand the the whole situation is often far more complex than that. And you know, I, I think it's I, I think it enables us to help others to see. A, a, a more complete picture of what's there, and also helps us sort of bring different perspectives together. And I think when people can accept that actually there's complexity there, no one of us can understand it individually, but together we might have enough of the puzzle to make a change. That's when I think it gets really exciting. And that fits really well with ideas of organizational agility and agile delivery mechanisms, because it's like, okay, we, we know, you know, we, we know that the world is changing fast. We know that our customer demands are changing fast. We know no one person knows it all. But if we work together, understand as much as we can, try it, test it. If it works, do more of it. You know, if it doesn't work, then, then, then pull it back in. So I, I think for so many reasons, but in the context of business analysis, it, 
analysis for me it's about that leveling up seeing a higher a higher level of abstraction bringing others with, with us on that journey and being able to sort of as an organization learn pivot and and adapt to the environment so let's play devil's advocate here are you telling me that systems thinking has to do with people <laughs> not yeah. technology <laughs> yes yeah well and you see it's funny isn't it because like one of the terms that we hear or I hear a lot and you see written in I don't know like Harvard Business Review or wherever or you know the Sloan Review is organizational learning well I mean organizational learning surely is about people learning I mean don't get me wrong there can be knowledge capture codified knowledge in knowledge repositories but how many knowledge repositories are actually used like if everyone in the organization won the lottery most knowledge repositories are nowhere near as useful as most organizations think they are the organizational learning in in my view uh, is much more about the people and so yeah systems thinking a hundred percent the people are, are such a key part of it both in their participation but also in the fact that actually change is just it's an inherently human profession you know we deal with people it's about you know the tech is hard, but the tech is easier than the people. <laughs> That's true. Actually, it's funny you mentioned change. I just read a book called Who Moved My Cheese? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And it's all about change and, and how to adapt to change, which is central not just to the, the BA, but also to systems thinking, like you said. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, and, and, that, and that book, I mean, if because if I recall, the storyline on that book is a mouse that goes back to where the cheese used to be type of thing and and you you know you do see those patterns and i suppose you know looking at that uh, with, with a, some sort of systemic thinking i'd wonder well you know why what's driving them to do that is there something you know what you know, sort of what's beneath that and, and also you know you'd start to ask why is there in, the inequality in cheese in the first place? actually i'm probably really overthinking that book now i need to stop <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. Yeah, it's a fascinating book. I definitely recommend uh, every gate to, to read it. Okay, so let's ask you another question here. So try and give me, try and provide me maybe, say, for example, two, uh, or an example of, say, two systems thinking tools. And and maybe you can explain how BAs can, can use them within, within their business environment. Yeah, um, uh, there, there are so many. Two that are, well, two and a half I'll mention that are, that are a particular use. So, so, so there are two that I often use together. These are not traditionally from the same, they're from different systems thinking traditions, but um, a rich picture. Now a rich picture, if you've ever got together with other stakeholders and have drawn the problem, um, technically that might not be a rich picture, but it'll be very, very close. And a rich picture is a way of making explicit what's implicit and what I mean by that is like everyone has a different mental model everyone has a different view on what's going on and you can express it with words but words are, are limited we'll, language is limiting and actually by drawing uh, and just stick people and arrows and you know and, and smiley faces can create a really interesting conversation uh, so rich pictures and if you google it there's lots of really good examples out there um, a more structured version is the multiple cause diagram 
Now that's useful for not the most complex situations, but situations where there is, or, we, or where, where it's believed that there is a repeatable um, relationship between cause and effect. And if you've, if you've ever used a technique like five whys, and you've sort of ended up, it's become five whys and why else, because like there's never just, or very rarely just one root cause, there's multiple. That's a great diagram. And again, if you Google it, you, there's examples, but if you imagine like lots of words and arrows, that's sort of broadly what it looks like. There's, there's some more nuance to it than that. Um, and another one that I'm becoming more and more fond of uh, is a technique known as critical systems heuristics or CSH. And CSH at its origin was a set of questions about a system of interest, as, as we might call it. Um, uh, you know, and that, that doesn't need to be a, you know, a whole organization. It could be you know, a, a subsystem or, or whatever. And it encourages us to look from different stakeholder perspectives at why that thing exists, who, who should own it, you know, who should be protecting the voices of, of you know, folks who aren't heard. And, you know, it's sort of interesting because you can use that in two modes. You can say, okay, what does this pe person think this thing is for? And what do they think that it ought to be for? And, and that can create some really interesting conversations about, okay, well, what, yeah, you know, you know, sort of forget what we are doing here. What do you think we ought to be doing? And compare that for different stakeholders. It's a great conversation starter because very often there's this implicit disagreement that they have never that nobody's ever taken the time to to tease out of them and by doing it in that structured way it can create a, a really good conversation so just out of curiosity is this applicable only in waterfall agile both I, well I, I i both and i think that in, in many ways in many ways it fits really well with agile because there is a lot of ambiguity and like one of the things with Agile is, and you know, I suppose, well, certainly the organizations I work with, Scrum is probably the most common approach to Agile I see. I see some Kanban as well, but there's always the question of, you know, okay, so it starts with a, with a product backlog, but how do you know what to put in there? And actually getting different perspectives on what, what are we even trying to do here before populating a backlog I think is a, is really crucial, and that's where this this can really fit in is actually understanding the situation, like almost understanding the situation and people's perspectives on it before we try and change it. Which doesn't sound so radical now. I've said it out loud. It sounds sounds quite sensible. <laughs> that's that's pretty good. So it's probably something that a product owner, a product owner, should be very familiar with. Yeah, I, I think so. And I mean, that's a, a whole nother interesting conversation is where disciplines like product ownership, product ownership analysis, systems thinking, UX, project management, where all of these things intersect. And I think that's those sorts of questions we're going to be hearing more and more about in the coming years. And, um, you know, because I, I think that's a really interesting area as well, where, where, the, where, you know, the, where the racy should be on those sorts of things. Oh, that's cool. That's fascinating. Okay, so you've written a book. Actually, you've written a number of books, but one book in particular called Business Analyst. Actually, you, do you happen to have it on you? Oh, do you know what? I, uh, I, it's, uh, I, I think it's in another room. That's really embarrassing. Okay. All right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's, all. that's all. 
adult. <laughs> no worries. But so, you, well, this is the one I'm I'm familiar with. So, try and give us sort of a brief a brief overview of the book. You know how how can it help business analysts really? Yeah. So this was a book where um, I. That I thought so. I, I thought there was a bit of a gap. I thought there was a bit. There's a lot of really great stuff written about business analysis, you know, and there's excellent resources like, you know, there, there are books about, um, you know, business analysis techniques, and there's of course the BA book and many many others. This is about the BA career pathway, and one of the challenges I found is that um, well, sometimes BA managers were setting up. Uh, BA practices and, and and it was like well you know how do I know you know what's what's a way of having a, a hierarchy of BAs what could that look like and also I found that there were BAs that were sort of saying well I don't know what my next you know what's the next logical progression and so I I was really fortunate in that I a, a whole bunch of people agreed to be interviewed and one of the things I did was included actually summaries of some of those interviews in the back of people's sort of career stories that sort of cut down um, transcripts of their their career stories. So it really provides it, it, it's really for people who are um, either a BA looking to figure out where they go with their career or someone who's wants to become a BA or a manager that's setting up a BA practice and is looking to figure out how the different you know the, the sort of different options for structures are there so it, it's got a kind of career roadmap at the, at the end of it as well so i'm actually curious about this logical progression so say you're, you're a ba you've been in the work for a while you want a change uh, what's the most common route you've seen i've seen a lot of BAs become project managers is that sort of a common route or uh, did you sorry marcus did you say project or product managers oh, sorry, pro project manager yeah Actually, they could become, some of them could become product managers too. Yeah, so, I mean, I can only speak from, from a UK perspective and, and here, I think that used to be seen, and, and I'm probably going back uh, 10 years or more, that, that was more common then. Um, but really what I'm seeing more, much more of now is the fact that actually a business analyst and a project manager are have parity in terms of status and they're recognized as different disciplines and there are people there are people that are good at both but like i i'm i know i would be a exceptionally poor like i can i can do business analysis planning and monitoring but i would not be a good project manager so i think that you know regionally here there's a there's a recognition that it's it's a different skill set there's a course overlap. Um, there, I, I do see uh, BAs perhaps becoming business architects, um, and you know, and there's a big, big discussion about product manager and product owner and how all of that fits in. Uh, but equally, there's a broader discussion about what product owner means because it doesn't really just mean what Scrum. Like a product owner in Scrum. There's, there's, there's the product owner role in Scrum and then there's a product owner. And those two things, one person can be both, but they're, they're, they're slightly different things in, in, my, in my view anyway. <laughs> right, well, that's fascinating. So on the subject of, again, this, this transition into the BA world or on to further ambitions after being a BA. So any advice for those 
who would like to pursue the field of business analysis or systems thinking, what, what are some initial entry points that a, uh, a BA or someone wanting to become a BA could look at? Yeah, so entry points into business analysis. Uh, one is if you're in an organization already uh, at, that has BAs, seek the team out. I've never met a BA that won't give their time to someone who's interested in becoming a BA. You know, attend their team meetings. Even if you're in an organization where, that doesn't have BAs, find a way of doing business, business analysis. Uh, one of the people I interviewed for my book, um, before they became a BA, they were a paramedic. And funny enough, I know the person who hired them into, uh, into their first BA role. And she said she was so impressed because he demonstrated transferable skills about how, you know, you're going to a, a job, a person will present with symptoms, but those symptoms might not be, they might be distracting the, the noise of just general life. And you've actually got to diagnose and come up with the best solution for that person, potentially while there are lots of other people, you know, looking on. And, and, I, and, and you think about it and think, well, that's, that's, there's a strong element of, of a similar, you know, it's, it's different, but, you know, diagnosing, recommending, getting the best outcome. So I, I think, you know, do the business analysis. I, I'm always a, a big um, advocate for professional associations, whether that's IIBA, BCS, IREB, whatever is relevant for the particular, uh, you know, geography that somebody's in and, and get involved at a local level. Um, and, you know, and, and think about certification and, blo and read blogs and that kind of thing. For systems thinking, I think, you know, that's just something to really, really, well, you can read about it and reading about it's important, but I've learned far more by doing. And I think um, it's, it's one of those things that there are, there's perhaps a perception that you have to know, you have to be a master of it before you start. And I don't think that's true. I think you can take a manageable chunk of it, try it, try it in a safe environment, even, you know, like if, maybe even try it in a team meeting or something and then scale it up and learn more. And um, I, yeah, I mean, it, 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 it will be valuable. I, I you know, I've, I, I think it's a really valuable skill set to learn. I've had a lot of people come to me and ask either online, you know, maybe they've reached out to me on LinkedIn or also a mentor for a couple of groups here in Calgary. And sometimes I mentor business analysts, people who are coming into the field, or sometimes because Canada is a hotbed for immigration, there's a lot of new immigrants who are transitioning from one different career to another. So, and sometimes that career is business analysis. So they ask me, you know, how can they get into it? And some of the advice I've uh, given are some of the, the, you know, the items that you've listed. Um, but one thing is you've got to do a lot of reading on it, like you mentioned you got to do a lot of doing, but this is where those discussion groups come in. I find that going to these discussion groups, you'll learn so much so fast. Yeah. You know, and and from, from people who've been doing it for years and they're just willing to, to hand out information and, and it's a huge learning, huge learning advantage, I think. Yeah, no, I 100% agree with that. And I think the business change community generally it's very generous. You look at the amount of free webinars, you know, free blogs, uh, discussion groups, you know, people will generally, if you approach them on LinkedIn and you've got a question, they'll, they'll answer it. So I think it is. And I, and I think, you know, that's, that's one of the great things with 
the tools we have at our disposal is, you know, we can be collaborating across the world just as easily as if we were in the same room. Yeah, no, that's very much, yeah, 100%. Well, I certainly appreciate having this discussion with you, Adrian. It's, uh, it certainly is an honor. And just one last item on the agenda. Someone wants to get in touch with you from the audience. How can they do so? Yeah, so um, uh, probably the best way is connect on uh, LinkedIn. So if you search for me, Adrian Reed, that's R-E-E-D, uh, you'll find me and just drop me a, you know, drop me a, an invite. Um, it's always useful if you say where you, where, you know, where you found me from, because that's always, it's always nice to know that, you know, uh, where, where you sort of, uh, what, what, what led you to connect, that's always handy. Um, I have a regular sort of uh, uh, newsletter. If you go to badigest.co.uk, you can sign up to that. And that includes a quarterly sort of PDF journal, which you, you'll get sent. Um, and I have a blog at adrianreed.co.uk, uh, which has been going for over a decade, believe it or not. So there's a lot of back articles on there that you can read. <laughs> hey, great stuff. Well, thanks again, Adrian. I really appreciate it. And you have yourself a great evening, I think, in the UK. Now it's probably about what, half past six or half past five thereabouts? Yeah, half past five. Yeah, yeah. But Marcus, no, thank you for inviting me. I really enjoyed that conversation. And um, yeah, th thanks again. Yeah, well, certainly have, have yourself a great day. You too. So